Hey friends, well, after a long and for many of you cold winter, are you ready to bring the spirit of the islands into your home? Look no further than Home Threads, where comfort meets coastal living. At HomeThreads.com, you can discover a collection inspired by the tranquility of the beach. From breezy linens to stylish coastal decor, they've got everything you need to turn your home into a seaside retreat, and always at the best value. If you haven't been to the Home Threads website yet, you have to go check it out, see their beautiful bedding, everything they have for your kitchen, lighting, workspace, and a gift guide, which has something for everyone on your list. I'm thinking ahead to Mother's Day, Father's Day, anniversaries, birthdays, and more. So visit homethreads.com forward slash Monica and get a code for 15% off your first order. Because whether you're on the islands or dreaming of the sea, Home Threads brings the beach to you. Home Threads, love where you live. Aloha and welcome to the Boy Mom Podcast. I'm Monica Swanson and this is episode number 16. We are cruising along here on our Tuesday episodes going through the main topics from my book, Boy Mom, What Your Son Needs Most From You. And I'm trying to bring on a whole bunch of girlfriends who have boys and who have experience or expertise in the things that I cover in the book. Now there is always a whole lot more in the chapters of the book. I did a lot of research. I cited a whole lot of other people and I shared a lot from my own experience. So you're always going to find more in the chapters of my book. But today we are kind of stepping back a couple chapters. We got out of order for a few different reasons. But today we are looking at chapter nine. I, yes, chapter nine, that's right, called Inspiring Young Minds. This is a topic about learning and discovering passions, about inspiring our boys to want to learn what to do when they're not motivated to learn, how we can inspire them when they're young, and then maybe when we hit some sticky spots as they grow up. And then we also talk about discovering passions, what that means to help our boys find that thing that lights them up, gets them excited, and hopefully we'll stick with them for a lifetime or at least more than one season. So it is a topic I love to talk about. I found so fascinating. I learned a ton as I wrote this chapter, and I wanted to bring on somebody who has had some experience in education. Uh, I homeschool my boys, and I actually was a teacher for a couple years. I got teacher credentials shortly after Dave and I got married, and I did some um, substitute teaching. I was never a full-time teacher, but I just love education, and I enjoy so much watching my boys light up when they learn new things just in homeschooling. I'm sure we will have more episodes where we talk about education, where we talk about um, different options for education. And I know many of you have asked me to share more from my experience homeschooling. I just counted. I think I've homeschooled 12 years now, which makes me feel really old, but also explains why sometimes I lack motivation. So I'm working on that this year, and you'll hear more about that. But today, I get to bring on somebody who is homeschooling her kids. They're younger than mine, yet she does have experience as an educator and she's a smarty. Her name is Amber Leah. Most of you have probably heard of her. Amber is the co-author of the book I talk about all the time, uh, Triggers with Wendy Speak. They actually co-authored two books, um, Triggers, as well as Parenting Scripts. So we've linked to those before, and I will link to them again. Amber is doing all kinds of things. I'm going to let her introduce herself, but I know you're going to get a lot out of this conversation. Now, a couple quick things before we dive in. One is... I apologize that the sound is not great. 
in this recording. I actually have had a few struggles with um, past recordings that required some editing, and so I was trying a different um, recording app. Is that what we call it? Recording software. And it just did not turn out well. Um, I had somebody try to help me fix it and it got a little bit better, but I hope you don't mind just bearing with me. There's a little echoey sound. Um, so hope you don't mind too much. I'm trying to get my act together and learn my technology so that I can give you the best possible experience listening to the Boy Mom podcast. But um, besides that, I also want to share another review. You guys are continuing to leave me the kindest ratings and reviews. And I want you to know that I do read everyone and I appreciate them so much. And today I'm sharing one from Erica Reiner Photography is I believe it's R-E-I-N-E-R. So Reiner or Reiner. I'm sorry if I just mispronounce that. Um, she wrote love, love, love as her title. She gave me five stars. Thank you so much, Erica. And she says, I have three kiddos, four-year-old boy-girl twins, bless your heart, and seven-year-old boy. I love Monica's practical and faith-based podcast. She is real, vulnerable, and the first to say me too. That's for sure. It's amazing for parenting our boys, but also our daughter. Yay. I keep sharing her podcast and book with friends. My only complaint is I wish there were more to listen to. Aw, how nice is that? Hopefully adding my Fridays gives you a little something more um, to listen to. And thank you so much, Erica. That was really kind. And guys, again, I do read every one of your ratings and reviews. So please continue to leave those and continue to just share. Word of mouth is such a great way to share podcasts. And um, also, hopefully you're taking advantage. If you're new here, if you just found this podcast, please know that I have eight and a half years of blogging over on my website, monicaswanson.com. And if you just go over there and look around, you're going to see some that are highlighted. I have a whole section um, together, a list of all the most popular boy posts and a whole lot of other series. So if you sign up to subscribe, that's your best way. That way you'll um, be emailed a few links to the most popular posts and that'll help get you started. And I love getting to know you. So never hesitate to hit reply and um, leave me a message. Tell me about you and your family. That helps me um, with my writing and with this podcast. Just know who's out there and how I can best serve you. Truly, it means so much to me. So guys, I'm going to let you listen in to Amber and I chatting about raising boys who love to learn or who are willing to learn, I might say, as well as discovering their passions and interests. And um, there are always show notes at monicaswanson.com forward slash podcast. So I will link to all the different places you can find Amber. And I hope you enjoy this conversation conversation. Well, hey, Amber, welcome to the Boy Mom Podcast. Thank you, Monica. I love being here because I know I'm in good company with boy moms. <laughs> that is right. You, um, you are a boy mom that I have loved and respected for so long. And I'm sure most people are familiar with you because you've written some of the books that I know my listeners love. But in case someone out there doesn't know about you, would you just give us a quick introduction? Tell us about you and your family and what you do. Sure. Okay. So I'm Amber Leah. My husband Guy and I live in Southern California and we do have four boys. We've got Oliver who is 12 and then Quinn is almost 10. Oakley just turned eight and Quaid is almost three, but he's still my little two-year-old. I don't want him to get too old before his time because I'm cherishing that toddler age. And so he was our happy surprise. 
And we have one girl, she is a black Labrador, and her name is Rosie. <laughs> so I'm not totally outnumbered, but pretty well outnumbered. You're lucky. I wanted a girl dog, and I got a boy dog, too. Oh, see? Yeah. That's okay. Boy yeah. dogs are good, too. Uh, and then I've written a number of books. I've written the book Triggers, Exchanging Parents' Angry Reactions for Gentle Biblical Responses, and the study guide that goes with it with my sweet, wonderful co-author, Wendy Speak, who also lives here in Southern California. And then we also wrote a book called Parenting Scripts, When What You're Saying Isn't Working, Say Something New. And then I have a series of Bible study guides that you can do with your kids, ages like 6 through 12, called the Study Buddy Bible Study Guides. And then my husband and I just wrote Marriage Triggers, which is coming out in January. And you can begin to pre-order it now, actually, wherever books are sold. That's going to be so good. Yeah, and we, we're just kind of a big, crazy family full of extroverts. Um, we have one that's a little bit of an introvert, but mostly we're a house full of extroverts who love the beach and love the ocean. And Guy and I are also in the entertainment industry together. We have a faith and family-friendly production company. And so that keeps us on our toes. We basically don't get much time apart, Guy and I. We, we, we are partners in all the things, and I'm grateful for him. He's very helpful, hands-on dad and we often get triggered both in parenting and in marriage and we really try <laughs> to apply the bible to our lives when those times come and so we're thankful that we get to share a lot of that journey with other people yeah i was gonna say which is why you're the best to write the book because you're living it thank you yeah we are we're, we're journeying right along with everybody else we're not too PhDs uh, speaking from a place of expertise in that sense, but we've walked a lot of years together and we rely on God's wisdom to help us through. And we just figure people that uh, are maybe the ones that are going to pick up our books are people who are a lot like us, mm -hmm. who struggle with everyday things and just need to know, okay, here's the Bible, here are these verses, here's this issue I'm having in the practical moment of there's so much noise in my house and I don't know what to do about it and it's making me frustrated and I'm snapping at people. How do those two things collide so that I can respond in a way that is life-giving and addresses the problem and doesn't tear everybody down. And so God's been faithful to help us um, and continues to help us do that. We, we are not perfect by any means, but we're thankful that we have God who's, whose word really is practical and effective and helpful for every moment of our lives. So we get it. to share that with other people. I love it. Now I'll be linking to all these things and um, places in our show notes, of course, but the study buddies are all found on your blog, right? Yes. You can find them at my blog, uh, motherofnights.com, or you can just Google my name, Amber Leah, to find my website too, but they're also available on Amazon. Yes. And I have loved, I've gone through your Proverbs study with Levi and I just loved it. You've done such a great job. So. Thank you. Thank you. It's, that's, that's one of my favorite ones. <laughs> Proverbs are just so great for raising boys. I think, especially I talk about that a lot. Right. Amber, I am excited to have you on because, well, I'm sure that you'll be a regular guest because we could talk about boy stuff all day long. <laughs> yes. 
and I love your heart for family. But today we come to the chapter in my book about um, raising boys who are learners. That sounds so funny, but inspiring young minds is the chapter title. And we're talking about raising boys who love to learn, who are motivated to learn, or if they're not, how we can help our boys become more motivated. And then in that chapter, I also cover helping boys find passions, that thing that just sets them on fire. And some find it younger than others. Some it takes a while, but what we can do as parents to help boys find um, a passion, a hobby, an interest, something that they can carry with them into their adult years. And you uh, are someone I thought of because I know not only do you have four boys and now you're homeschooling after some years of doing different things, but uh, also tell us about your background in education because that's what made me think of you for this conversation. Yes. So, well, first of all, I'll just, I do, I have a background in, as a teacher, I taught for 10 years. And I started out teaching in elementary school, a sixth grade class. It was an elementary class. So I taught seven subjects and had the kids all day. And then I transitioned to teaching at the high school level for a very long time. I taught all of the advanced placement courses and honors courses for English and literature and composition, as well as some regular 10th grade English classes. And then I also taught a middle school U.S. history, a year's worth of middle school U.S. history in the summer times for summer school. Loved that as well. So I have quite a, a, a range of different things that I have taught over the years, pretty much every subject, and really am passionate about education and sparking sparking that interest and that passion and that curiosity in kids to me is just one of the greatest gifts that we can offer young people. Yes. So that's my background. Yeah, but I will say, I don't think there's very many people, Monica, that can speak to this topic better than you. So <laughs> I'll do my best, but you have really raised the bar because you have done such an excellent job of that with your boys, which is why people should be reading your book. Well, thank you. I don't know about teaching AP courses, though. I'm like, dang, you're a smart one. I think <laughs> my, my older boys would love to nerd out with you talking about literature. <laughs> oh, I would love it. It's one of my favorite things to do. I mean, people, there's not very many people that will want to just sit down and talk rhetorical strategy with me and like all the different rhetorical devices and how they're effective and how that impacts the theme of a book and how that then relates to our lives and so on and so forth. And even just culture and history, I could totally nerd out with your boys on that. <laughs> I love it. Well, I don't want to jump ahead of ourselves, but I just am thinking how just recently my son who's 18 and we'll get to this. He hasn't always been like this, but he has become such a voracious reader. And he walked out of his room holding this big, thick book. It was a Russian novel in his arms. And he said, I just love reading. Almost that is fantastic. Like, how did this happen? And <laughs> how that happened. I, I can't take all the credit. That's for <laughs> But let's That's talk great. about those early years. I want to talk about building a foundation for my listeners that have younger kids. What can we do at home with mm -hmm. our kids to um, instill just that, that foundational love of learning? Absolutely. Well, you know, my 12 year old is a bookworm too. And I will always say that I think that if you can foster a love of reading or even just listening to stories, that's a really great place to start. So I think reading aloud to our kids, I started reading when to my kids when they were in my, in my womb, I was reading to them and I've never stopped. We are really faithful to do a lot of reading, read alouds with our children not only as part of our, our homeschool days, um, but even just at night in the evenings, we will gather together and read. So I think reading aloud to our children, we do a lot of audiobooks in the car. There's a lot of 
wonderful ones that are available even for very young children. But I would say in general, when kids see that we are interested in the world around us, then they become interested in the world around them too. And as a mom, for me, what that looked like with my, just my toddlers even, and I'm doing this now with Quaid again, is that we'll go outside and if it's shady enough and we're on the swing in the backyard, I will just point things out to him. I'll say, oh, look, Quaid, the clouds, they're making all kinds of different shapes today. Isn't it amazing that God made the clouds? So part of what I want to do is just awaken an interest in general in the world around him. And so often we just take things for granted. We go outside, we play, we come in. We don't notice the things around us. And that's a simple thing that any parent can do is notice something and point it out. And then the third element I try to do is then also point that back to God and how he is involved in everything around us because he's the author of everything. He's created everything, every gift, every talent, any knowledge that we have, it comes from him. And every good and perfect gift is from above, right? So I will say things like, let's thank God right now even. Sometimes people, you know, they think, gosh, I don't even know how to introduce my kids to God or point him, point my child to him in those moments of, of learning and so on and so forth. And it can just be as simple as that. Look at this amazing butterfly over here that landed. Look at how God made these colors like that. Why do you think those colors are those colors? Sure. What, what do you think went through God's head when he made it like that? And then, you know, what, what would you do? What kind of colors would you make it? And then let's thank God for that butterfly. Let's do that right now. Thank you, Lord, for the butterfly. You know, simple as that. And you just create a love for the things in the world around you. And that rubs off on our kids. It does. It absolutely does. I've seen that in my own kids too. And I think nature is such a great place to start with that. And if you can't be in nature, opening up books and looking at pictures of butterflies or going on the internet together, such good ways to just open up their minds and, and like you said, turn their heart and mind to the one who created it all. Yeah. Your own body, you know, you, you could just be looking at your, um, a cut. I think it's, I point out to my little one all the time, look at, see, and you know, with your husband being a doctor, look at that cut, see how it's turning pink and how it's getting that part there in the middle. That's called a scab. God made your body so that it would respond when it's wounded to heal. Isn't that amazing that God can do that too? And, and then they're like, Hmm, I wonder how that really happens, you know, and then you can take that to a scientific level. So there's just, again, pointing things out, creating their curiosity and just you yourself being enthusiastic. And I think it helps us not take our learning and the world around us and even our own bodies for granted when we are really educating our kids in our conversations throughout the day. I love that. I love that. And I love that you mentioned reading aloud because I too just am such a fan. I'm curious if you follow, um, I'll link to Sarah McKenzie's read aloud. Mm -hmm. Is that something you check into? Yes, I have that. I have her book, which is excellent too. So many good suggestions in there. I'm a huge fan of that whole um, philosophy and mindset. And it's really what made me become an English teacher is that's what my parents did with me when I was very young. My best memories with my dad are at bedtime, um, ready for bed. The first thing we do before we, the last thing we do before we turn the lights out is read together. And it's a very precious memory to me. And it really transported me to another world. And I, I never wanted to stop doing that. <laughs> so I kept reading. <laughs> I love that. And, and I mean, now there's all kinds of research that shows that really 
um, there's a, a huge um, connection even between kids who are read aloud to as young children and SAT scores later, like literally. Yes. It has so many benefits. And I think it's such a bonding thing. Just like what you said, my boys will tell me that some of their fondest memories as little boys is when I would read to them at night. And I confess that I struggle to, so when I read aloud, my eyes tend yeah. to get really heavy. <laughs> I know. Because it'll be like the best book and I'm so mad at myself. But yeah. the little time I put in, they think of as great amounts of time. So I'm thankful that I hung in. Yeah. <laughs> it was hard. Yeah. We still do. Like you said, we love to read things out loud to each other. The boys will come out and read sections of their books. So that's great. Super good stuff. Well, that's a good um Good foundation when they're little, I think just pointing things out, reading aloud, looking for those opportunities is super good. One question I get from a lot of um, listeners and readers is how to help motivate a boy who seems really unmotivated. I don't know if it's a certain age or stage. Yeah. A lot of boys come to a place where they think they hate school. They think they don't want to learn. They think it's yep. not going to apply to the rest of their life. So let's talk a little about motivating the kids who are struggling to be motivated. Okay, especially with uh, older kids, when you can have kind of a heart-to-heart -heart with them and explain, like we can tell our kids all the reasons why it's important for them to do their homework or to finish their lesson or to do the subject well that is just harder for them. They're not so interested in history. Right. So they just don't approach it with much zeal and, 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 and they, you know, would rather do almost anything than do their math homework or whatever it is. And so one of the things that I've told my kids early on in a lot of areas of life, but it really applies, I think, strongly to education and doing their work is, look, the fact of the matter is sometimes there's certain things that you're just not going to want to do. You're not going to enjoy doing them but they're really necessary foundationally for you to be a well-rounded, productive, smart, whatever fill in the blank person later down the road. So here's what I tell them. I say, you don't have to be motivated. You just have to be disciplined. And that really, I think gives us like a kind of a, a sigh of relief that we don't have to want to do the right thing. We just have to do the right thing anyway. And I think God blesses that when we do that too. So I, I try to also let them know there's going to be a lot of things that you'll see all throughout scripture that people maybe didn't want to do in order to obey God or even Jesus. There were things that maybe he didn't, you know, he, he agonized over going to the cross, for example, that, that was not something that he maybe was totally motivated to do when he thought about the overwhelm and the pressure of that. And yet at the same time, his love compelled him to do the right thing. And so we're not always motivated. Love did motivate and compel Christ to the cross, but it didn't mean it was easy for him. And so we do need to, as, as people who love the Lord, we want to be really faithful to do the right things just because they're the right things to do. So you may not be motivated, but you do need to be disciplined. And once you start disciplining yourself, I think motivation naturally, I think, grows as a result because you see the benefit in, look, I'm, I'm able to do these things I don't really want to do, and I'm having some measure of success. I'm accomplishing something, and that in and of itself is a good feeling and can be motivating. Um, 
Sure. I do a lot of health coaching. And one of the things that's so key for me, my husband and I have been on a big weight loss journey. And we have said time and time again early on, you know, we don't have to be motivated to eat these good, healthier things for us. We just have to be disciplined. And the more disciplined we are, the more the results came. And as a result of losing that weight and feeling so much better and being healthy, that in turn motivated us to keep going once we got ourselves through the discipline portion of getting through something. So I think, yeah. I was just going to say, it does apply to so many areas of life, from sports to hobbies to school to taking care of your home and your personal stuff. So absolutely, I love that. Yeah, but but be creative. You know, if there is something that you can do to make a certain task or subject a little bit more palatable for your particular child, we've got to really study our kids and know what makes them tick, and then try to um, you know help them in those ways. There's nothing wrong with that, but I think that in our culture today, we're just lacking a lot of discipline. We're trying to make everything really wonderfully fun and interesting for everybody, and sometimes it's just not doing a service to our children. Sometimes they just simply need to do the work. So, and I think we need to emphasize that more with our kids that they, you don't have to be motivated, but you do need to be disciplined and there'll be blessing for you when you do the right thing. Absolutely. And I think a lot of that too, is just pointing out to them, um, connecting the dots for them to show them, you know, at some point one of my boys told me, you know, what he would be interested in doing as an adult one day. And then you connect the dots back and say, well, what you're doing today, though, you don't see it, though it's not obvious. This actually does connect those dots to get you to where you want to be. So that's right. The bigger picture, which it doesn't come natural to a younger child. So, right. Yeah. And I think some of this too is personality and what you mentioned there at the end about motivating kids. Some kids need a little more motivation, you know, a reward maybe. Right. You know, a little bribing is not out of the ordinary for me with one of my kids. <laughs> I absolutely agree. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. That's some, and, and when they get a job, they're going to get a reward of a paycheck. So to me, it's a very similar, you know, situation, relationship. And so I think that's perfectly healthy thing to do too. Yes. Oh, I love that. And um, I guess you were teaching some of those AP students. And so um, when they're at that level, usually they've already discovered the benefits of being, you know, really committed to school. But for those moms who have students, you know, maybe freshman, sophomore year seems to be a time where it can get overwhelming. I know one thing that I've learned is that sometimes kids just feel insecure. They just don't feel the confidence that they can do something. Yes. And so maybe you want to speak to that if there's um, a way to break something down and give kids the confidence that they actually can do more than they think they can do. Yeah. Well, you know, again, I, I think this is a lesson that is, is challenging for our kids, our older kids to, to accept that they don't have to excel in everything and that they don't have to necessarily even be confident in everything, but we do want them to try. And that I think if our kids know that we're supportive of them as people, then it relieves a lot of the stress and pressure they may be feeling in some of those areas. And to me, that really goes a long way in helping our kids. But, you know, there's, there's a lot of, I think, 
um, comparison, especially today with young people where they are so easily able to see what everybody else is doing, what their accomplishments are, what good things they're at, good at that they may not be excelling as well. And I think we do need to be sensitive to our kids and their hearts and what they may be feeling instead of just immediately assuming, well, they're just lazy yeah. or they just don't want to do the right thing. I, th I think it's important for us to always come believing the best about our kids and being sensitive to what they may be experiencing. And then at some point too, we have to let our kids lead, lead their own lives. Mm -hmm. And even as sophomores, you know, as freshmen, I think we can still be pretty involved in, in helping them navigate um, good study habits and work habits and things like that. But as they get a little bit older, we do need to recognize that they need to suffer some of the consequences of not <laughs> following through on whatever it is and that that's okay. It's probably even more painful for us as parents than it is for our kids yes. when we see them flounder or not follow through. But if you've, if you have tried to help and you've given them um, different things that can you can help them set themselves up for success and they're just not doing it they're not motivated they're simply would rather take the consequence then I think there is a point where we have to let them experience that consequence for themselves and let them leave lead their lives because really within two to three years they could conceivably be out of your home at that point yes. and living their own life right. and we have to recognize that we have a hula hoop and our kids have a hula hoop. Mm -hmm. They live in their hula hoop, we live in ours. And they're still connected, those hula hoops, they do still intersect, yeah. but they're spreading apart farther and farther. Oh. And we need to let them experience their hula hoop and not put our own angst into our hula hoop. And, and simply we need to lead our lives as well and entrust them to God at that point. And that's no small thing that's to entrust thing. our maturing kids to their heavenly father who also sees them and is pursuing them and has a path for them. And that sometimes just means we need to lay off a little bit in micromanaging them and trying to do all the things for them and trying to shield and protect them from too much pain. Because right now, while they're in middle school, high school, the stakes are still fairly low. But if we thrust them into the world where they haven't experienced how to flounder, how to suffer a little bit, how to figure problems out on their own, we're really doing them a disservice later on. And so that I think is more of a, a challenge for us as parents than it is for our kids. <laughs> um, and something that we need to start trying to get a little more comfortable with. Oh, I, I agree so much. I refer to that in the book where I just say, you know, giving them those opportunities to fall down when they're in a safe place, when they're still right. growing up years prepares them so that hopefully they'll fall down a little less when they're out in the big world on their own, but also gives them just that place where we can coach them through and mentor them through. But I agree with you. They, we need to give them those opportunities to make some choices and find out what the consequences are. I also, I think it's in a different chapter, but talk about just the times um, where parents have protected and provided too much for their kids. You know, the, the parents who really, um, Put their kids in a no pain zone, I think, is, is one of the right. articles referred to so that when they do go away to college or get a job, sometimes they're just not equipped at all and they end up failing miserably. So we want to yeah. give them those chances to fail in some little ways when they're at home. I totally agree with all of that.
So and don't you think, Monica, that it's it's good to, as a parent in those times, think of yourself more, because when they're little, we're, we're in fix-it mode a lot for them. We're problem solvers for them. And we need to shift to more. Just think of yourself now as more, now that my child is in middle school, high school, college, I'm moving more and more towards empathy mode mm -hmm. with my kids. Like, oh, I, you can still be there for them and say, I see how that made you feel. Yes, that is a big problem. I'm confident you'll work it out as opposed to here's all the things that you should do. Mm -hmm. So if we can shift in our mindset and our thinking as parents from I'm going to fix everything for you to I'm going to empathize with you a lot. Yeah. That's what they really need is right. they just need our understanding, our compassion and our empathy, and then let them figure things out, go through the consequences. But when they know that you are there for them, when it going gets really tough, then that's going to be the best thing for them. I think at, the, at those ages. Absolutely. Yes. And, and this just relates to all the different places. I talk about letting consequences, natural consequences to the teaching because they're going to learn pretty quick if they don't turn in a paper and we don't, you know, come in to rescue them. We don't do the work for them or whatever the case may be. They're going to learn so much faster than if we keep rescuing them. So yeah, uh, some hard words, but some really important words, Amber. Thank you so much for that. Well, I'm going to just switch gears here before we wrap up and get to the part of the chapter where we talk about discovering passions. And this too is a loaded topic because um, I think that we live in a world with, like you've mentioned already, competition. But I have found that it seems younger and younger every year, kids are kind of feeling a pressure to figure out what their thing is. You know, they mm. figure out that they're going to be a pro soccer player when they're in little league, you know, barely able to tie their own cleats, or we've got them signed up for whatever their musical instrument might be. Um, let's talk about how we can set a healthy environment for letting kids discover their God-given gifts and talents and kind of steering them there. Do you have some experience in your own family with this? Yes, I panicked a lot about this. I worried a lot about this when my kids were little. I was very anxious because I had three kids, four and under, and I was already overwhelmed at just making sure they were clothed and fed and had clean diapers and all of that. And so then trying to think, oh my goodness, should I have them in T-ball? Should I have them in this? Should I have them in that? Like, what are, what are their strengths? Am I doing enough as a mom to make sure that they have the right passions and, and, and that I'm fostering their natural abilities. And what about their spiritual gifts too? What am I doing to help foster all of those? And I really was overwhelmed. And one thing that helped me significantly is, and I know you love Sally Clarkson too. Mm -hmm. She's one of my favorite mentors, writers of all time. And she's such a dear friend. And one of the things that she said that helped me a lot early on is she said, that for them, because they have a, a large family too, they have four kids, I had four, ki four kids, that, that eventually they would choose to do things in seasons and expose their kids to lots of different things. And as time went on, certain kids would latch on to a musical instrument and, and it was obvious that was their talents and their gifts and abilities. And so that was great. Or others wanted to do acting or theater or whatever, or if it was sports, but they would try different things, but not every kid doing something different at once. They would, everybody would do the local town theater and have a role and play the part for those few months. And then the next season, 
maybe everybody would try soccer or they would all have an instrument that they would learn one year. And so it was just really helpful for me to be like, oh, okay, that's great. That's doable because it gives our kids a taste for different things. And it also, you know, I have one kid that excels in soccer and one or two that are not so much into it. I have one that loves baseball. The others are not so much into it. Well, we're all doing baseball this fall, right. even though one kid prefers soccer mm -hmm. because it's easier for us as a family to not also be pulled in lots of different directions. And it allows the, the kids who excel to really get to pursue that thing that they love. And the ones who don't excel, it's still good for them. It's good for them to do something that they aren't naturally as good at and to learn those life lessons. And then also just to be there to be supportive and learn about the sport that their brother really enjoys. Cause I want them to be such good friends with one another and to, to be supportive of each other. And then as they get older and they're able to um, really, you know, latch on to a certain thing that they truly want to pursue single-heartedly, then we can figure that out and make accommodations for that. But I think as they're real little, trying not to be too focused on any one thing can be really healthy for a lot of families. <clears throat> I know that for us, we are definitely you know, more sports oriented. And we discovered that just by trying a number of different things. And so that's something that we end up doing a lot of, but we didn't get into organized sports um, when they were very young, just because we didn't want to be pulled in too many different directions. And, and that was really good for us. But I think it's just balance and recognizing that if your child is really meant to be a pro surfer, then God is going to get them into that place of being a pro surfer. And he, he might even have those particular kids born in a place like Hawaii <laughs> where that's going to be a, 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 an easy thing for them to pursue. <laughs> there's, yes. There's definitely signs we can look at, you know, if they're super tall, well, maybe we should try basketball. If they're super fast, you know, that we see things and God points things out to us. I think. Right. I, I love all of that. And I think that sometimes the problem isn't even so much with the kids wanting to do a thousand things, but I know, I don't know about you, but I sometimes struggle with the FOMO. I had two different uh, moms yeah. send me a text message in the last week about this Lego engineering thing down at our community center. And, you know, my first reaction was, oh, I don't want to miss out if all my friends are doing it. <laughs> yeah. Was, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> my fourth kid. So I realize now that it would end up being just a big stressful thing to add to our day when he spends, you know, hours a day doing Legos at home. I'm just not sure if, you know, and then you have to balance that out. Well, is that a sign? So good. You know, be an engineer and I should have him there. And that's where you just sometimes have to trust your gut and say, I just don't think this is a season where I can do one more thing. Yes, absolutely. And, and also just trust that, you know, if, if a child really is passionate about a certain subject or instrument or a sport or whatever, you know, that's not just going to fade away. And so then you'll know, okay, they're really taking this more seriously. So let's go ahead and invest the time, right. you know, or the finances or whatever to continue to pursue that. And you just have to do what's best for your family. But, you know, my parents, um, never really encouraged us to do anything. We weren't involved in much that was organized at all. Mm -hmm. And then in college, I ended up being intramural athlete of the year. I was on my college cross country team and I never was encouraged to do much of any of that. I never even really ran before I was in college. Yep. And so even if you are as a parent are like missing the mark, you don't have your kids in anything. 
my story can give you hope that <laughs> they'll find a way to still be a well-rounded person and excel in something at some point. It is so true. I, I look back and I often say, I don't remember when I was a kid, there being such a pressure for kids to have it all figured out so young. I just remember kids being kids and that was fully acceptable. So right. I think that everyone could chill out a little bit and trust the process. I love your story. I too started running in college and had a similar experience. So I think we can all relax knowing that it's going to work out. That is yes. <laughs> super good stuff. Yeah. And I think that, um, that praying for our kids, asking God to show us, and he will yes. be faithful to continue to show us as they grow up. Well, that is all super good. Amber, I'm trying to wrap these um, interviews up now with three fun boy mom questions. And so if you're all right with us moving into that, I would love to throw a few questions your way. Is that okay? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Well, I want to start with... Um, and some of this is selfish because I want to know what moms love and are using. What is one boy mom essential that you rely on every day or at least on the regular um, that maybe you want to introduce other moms to? Okay. The easy answer for me. By far, one of the most practical, most useful things for our family as a busy boy mom is, you know, my kids would ask me all the time for a glass of water, a glass of this, a glass of that, whatever, all day long. And I, we try to have our kids mostly drink water. So we have on our refrigerator a little button you can push, like a lot of people do, for water to come out. So it's it's there, it's accessible, but for whatever reason, they just would not go into the cupboard and find the cup and then they would misplace their cup and yada, yada. It was just like such a headache for me day in and day out until I found these cups on Amazon where they have a little sticky back and a little holder and you just stick them onto the refrigerator on the side or wherever in your kitchen. We have them on the back side of our fridge that doesn't show facing out. And so it's kind of hidden, but they're just hung there one after the other. There's four different colors. I got four kids. Perfect. And they just hang there. So now when they're thirsty, they'll still occasionally ask me, but I almost never get asked anymore for, to get them something to drink. No matter how old they are, they all can, can reach it. So they each have their color, they get their cup, they put it, you know, they drink right there and then they hang it back up. And then at the end of the day, I wash them just once, you know, a day at the end of the day and they're good to go for the next morning. And I don't have to constantly be telling them, go get yourself a cup. It's in the cupboard. Like they just know. Your oh. cup is on the fridge. Help yeah. yourself. <laughs> those words so many times. I wish that I had known about this many years ago. <laughs> yes, very, very helpful. Okay, we're going to include a link to that in our show notes for sure. Okay, second question. Um, is there a song that you can think of that would represent your family in this season or a theme song for the Leah family? Yes, I, I wish I could say it was like some really cool, you know, fun party song or something that's very inspiring. But really, Monica, I am so dependent on the Lord for giving me wisdom and help as a mom in every moment. Because with kids, you think you've got one season or chapter figured out, and then the next moment, everything changes. They've developed, they've grown, there's new challenges thrown your way. And at our wedding, Guy and I had this old hymn that we sang, and I don't even remember the exact title of it, but it, it just says, um, one of the, the lyrics in the song is, Lord, I need thee every hour I need thee. Mm -hmm. And that is really, 
I think our theme song, like our family needs the Lord and we need him every hour. Mm -hmm. And that is my go-to prayer regularly is Lord. I just need you. I don't, I don't even know what to do in this moment or as a boy mom, I I can't figure this out, but I know you have all the answers. So we just need you. So that's our theme song. (laughs) Lord, we need you every hour. We need you. And so good for your kids to know that's your theme song because that's going to turn their hearts to recognizing how much they need him as well. You know, it's so true because Monica, last night, um, I was driving my son home from my 12 year old home from a church meeting. And I I told you earlier, before we started recording, I, I had some health issues going on. I just was not feeling well. And I started to tell him, I was like, Oliver, I just have this pain and it's really affecting me. And he just immediately took my hand and said, mom, let's pray about it right now. And I was like, yes, please pray for me. I'd so appreciate it. And he just stopped right there and prayed for me. And it just, my heart was just overflowing because I was like, see, they do. They know that we need the Lord every hour and that we can go to him every hour at any moment at any time and they live that out and that's been such a blessing for me oh beautiful i love that his sweetheart yeah picked it up from mom and dad so okay third song third song third question fun one here i think um although (laughs) we'll see (laughs) tell us about one of the biggest messes or boy kind of mess that you have come across in raising your four sons? Oh, there's been so many messes. Um, but really the, the first one that the biggest one that always comes to my mind is with my son, Quinn, my sweet Quinn, my middle, my middle child. He was barely two, maybe not quite two at the time. And we were living in San Luis Obispo, California on the central coast. And my husband was working very long hours. It's when I had three kids, four and under, I was just barely making it Mm -hmm. mentally, spiritually, all the things, which is why I ended up writing triggers. (laughs) Um, It was really challenging time. And I remember just needing a break for a moment. And I think I either like answered a quick phone call or sat down in the living room to nurse. I think I may have even just sat down to nurse his baby brother, Oakley at the time, something just fairly simple, two minutes. And I went into the sitting room after those couple minutes had passed. And I looked over and I have this favorite armchair that is like a fabric material. It wasn't leather that you could just easily wipe. And Quinn had gotten into the diaper bag and put diaper cream all over the chair, his face, his hands, his clothing. And he had this shirt on that said like big bro in charge. (laughs) And and he's just looking at me like, Oh, this is, this is wonderful and tactile. He is my very, you know, um, tactile type kid. So it doesn't surprise me now that he was the one getting all in the diaper cream, just smearing it everywhere. And so I I just went and got my phone and took a, quick picture of him because I wanted to cry, but I I laughed instead. It was one of the rare moments where I did. I just laughed because there wasn't a lot I could do about it. It, The damage had been done and he did look pretty cute and innocent in the moment, but it was a bear. I mean, my my husband thankfully had some really good like carpet cleaner and he was able to eventually get it all out of my beautiful armchair. No, it's not the same. Oh, okay. Yeah. But that was the, that was a, a mess I left for Daddy to deal with. <laughs> when he wise. You just pass it off. Okay. I'll yep. That picture in our show notes too. So. Yes, I will send so it to fun. you. I love that. And if you don't laugh, you cry. So, oh my goodness, diaper cream is the oiliest 
oh, I can't imagine that scene. Yeah, it's not, it's not meant to be easily removed because no. it's supposed to be a, a barrier to right. moisture. So, yeah, that was fun. Oh, my goodness. Okay. And before I let you go, I'd love to know if you could share just a piece of wisdom, um, maybe something that if you could speak to a younger Amber when you're just starting off having these boys, is there some piece of advice that you could share that maybe some of the younger moms out there could cling to today? Yeah, you know, I think that for me, one of the biggest lessons I learned, one of the biggest changes in myself as a mom that I wish I could have told myself early on, and even now was that I just need to trust my boys a little bit more than that they know what they are capable of, that I don't need to micromanage them or try to buffer them quite so much to let them spread their wings a little bit more and not be so anxious to remember that God's got them, but that they know what their limitations are. You know, if they're climbing the play structure when they were my first one, first couple, I was so anxious about things like that. And now I've learned to just realize that they really know what they can handle and what they can't. Obviously I'm not going to put them in harm's way, something really dangerous, but they can climb to the, the top of the slide and they know how to balance okay and they're going to get down just fine and you know my son wants to play major majors baseball yes you could get hit with a ball really hard and it could hurt but you know what that's life i'm just going to let him let him play let him do the things and not hover so much and not assume the worst is going to happen like try to believe the best and believe the best about them and give them a little bit more trust that they know what they can handle yes. and I don't need to freak out so much. That's what I wish I had learned earlier on. And I'm still doing in different ways now trying to apply that, but yeah. Oh, that is such good advice. I relate to that so much. And you just realize that they have that little boy intuition that says, no, I can go a little higher. And some, usually they can. And right. Had a few trips to the ER with your kids and, um, yep. and, it's no broken bones yet, just well, a, just a few stitches, but we, we've done pretty good. We haven't had any big major injuries, praise the Lord, and we're pretty active, so yeah. <laughs> so it works out. I love that. That is such good advice. Well, Amber, you're someone I could talk to all day long about raising boys, so we'll be sure to have you back on again. But thank you so much for sharing your wisdom, your experience, and your time with us. Oh, right back at you, Monica. The, your listeners um, should be tuning in every single time you're on, and they should be reading everything that you write. There's very few people um, that I respect more and uh, agree with more heartily than the things that you're sharing with families. So thank you for all that you do. <laughs> Thank you, Amber. That's so kind. Well, we're going to be sure to link to you. Actually, why don't you just tell people in case they can't look at the show notes right now, tell us all the places that people can find you. Sure. So I have a website that I share with my co-author where we have some teaching videos that go along with our books. If you want to do them in small group or at church or even just for your personal use, it's at amberandwendy.com. And you can get our books, Triggers, and Parenting Scripts there as well. You can also get them on Amazon. And then you can find me on Instagram and also my blog, Mother of Nights or Amber Leah. And then I'm also um, on Facebook. I have a Facebook page where I try to share lots of encouragement. And then we have a private Facebook group, Wendy Speak and I do, called Gentle Parenting. Yes. with Amber and Wendy, and we're in there pretty much every day, just sharing encouragement, tips, and strategies for those who want to have a more gentle 
biblical parenting approach as opposed to um, harsh treatment and punishments and things like that that are more punitive in nature. So you can find us um, there and request to join if you're a mom. Awesome. Well, thank you, Amber, again for your time. We'll link to you and we'll have you back again. Okay, great. Thank you, Monica. Aloha. Aloha. <laughs>